Hey, hi, hi. Hi. How are you hi. doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Why? So why am I here? Why did you ask me to come to Liverpool to meet you? I've got us a big meeting. With who? Well, look behind you. Good morning. Oh my goodness, it's Arthur Bostrom, best known for his role as Officer Crabtree in BBC comedy series Hello, Hello. It's time for Big Meeting. You're listening to the Bog Mooting Pidcast with Odrian and Pete. Thank you so much, Arthur, for letting us pitch you our ideas today. Genuinely, we've been fans of yours for a very long time. You're very welcome. And can I introduce Pete? Pete's sitting next to you over there. Hello, Hello Pete. Good to meet you. Hello. It's lovely to meet you too. And uh, we're, we're really excited to hear what you think about our ideas. Well, I'm hopefully excited too. All of these movie concepts are designed to star you. That's the sort of thing I want to hear at this stage of my career, really. A lot of ideas for new parts. So it couldn't be better. So I'm, very, I'm already very excited now. You've had a very long career, stage, screen, obviously a low, a low, but many other things as well. And now you're an author as well, aren't you? Yes, I'm an author. I last year brought out, written as my character from a low, a low, Good Morning France, Crabtree's French Frosberg which is everything you need to spook like moo, basically. So, we're going to go straight into some film pitches now. Hit us with whatever you feel. We're, we're ready for criticism. We want to learn. This one's called Beware the Hip. The Prime Minister is secretly a ninja and has been trained by a team of anarchists since birth to take out the Queen during one of their weekly meetings. Little does he know that the Queen has been expecting this since being warned about the possibility in 1958 by a secretive double agent played by Harrison Ford and has had various cybernetic ninja implants fitted over the years to help her repel any attack. The final fight lasts for 78 minutes and happens in locations throughout Buckingham Palace and the surrounding area, including on the balcony in front of huge cheering crowds. As the Queen deals the final devastating blow on the PM, he activates his homing beacon. Drones appear in the sky above Buckingham Palace, and hundreds of ninjas begin to abseil towards Her Majesty. She looks at the camera, and her cybernetic eyes glow red, shooting lasers out. Cut to credits. And the part for me is... You're the Prime Minister. You're the Ninja Prime Minister. I'm the Ninja Prime Minister. Well, it's it's a golden role and i and i think believable as well um and 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 truly international because i mean that tour around the palace is extraordinary i mean everybody will want to see that whether there's a fight going i mean a 78 minute did you say 78 and a half minutes i forgot to oh, add that wow. extra half wow. as we know the the palace is opened up every summer for mm. tourists and you can pay i don't know 20 30 quid to have a look around and perhaps it's an ar experience so as you're doing the tour you can hold up your ipad and overlay the ninja fight sequence uh, that you would be uh, performing to just give that extra little buzz to the to the buckingham palace tour no um i know this is a wonderful pitch but do you know at this stage whether the Queen is actually up for this? Well, I was going to mention, whether if the conversation went that way, I do have written in my notes here, has to be the actual Queen. Because I feel that if we're going to be respectful of Her Majesty, then we need to have her buy-in. And I think the only person who can really play the Queen is the Queen. Absolutely. Have you ever done martial arts before? 
not really. I've pretended to, which is I thought at the time was enough, but it's not really with this, is it? So not really, no. It's well, a real, it's a real all-in kind of role, isn't it? I mean, it is. I think yeah. we'd be willing to, as part of this, I think we'd be willing to probably do several years of training, to be honest, to to get you up to speed to where you'd feel comfortable as a real ninja. Well, then it could be a historical drama because if it's several years, you know, I mean, you know, the monarchy may have been abolished by then. It's and, very possible. You know, time is of the essence, and also the fact that I'm in my mid six is myself you know it's it, you know i'm in pretty good shape but you know i think there would also be sequel potential just in case you're worried about the fact that your character is vanquished at the end i think there's definitely a chance for you to come back in beware the hip too uh so so we um, can write that into explain your contract. the hip well it's her special move so uh, at a key moment just when uh your character the prime minister looks like he's about to uh overcome the queen her hip extends to an enormous extent and her leg uh, smacks him in the face. I think you need... Well, it, you know, the whole idea is marvellous, but I do think that you have to rethink this title. You know, it's never been done before and it never will be done again. I, th- I think you're probably right on that one. So that sounds like a, like a pretty no, positive response. No, I'm really response. excited by that. I'm excited by that. OK, this one is called Dulcet Autumn Dusk, colon, Infrared Lockdown Crisis. Can I just stop you there? You certainly um, can. It doesn't, that doesn't invite me in, can I say? Mm. <laughs> Is it the infrared element or...? No, it's, it's so much more than that. It, it's, it's pretty well awarded. You know, you, it, it's too dense. You look at that and you think, oh, God, it's going to be some terrible kind of pseudo-intellectual build, people just sitting around not doing anything for two and a half hours and, you know, surrounded by brown and yellow leaves i mean you can do that anyway really can't you anyone can do that in autumn but if you just call well dulcet autumn that's a possibility what was the rest of it i don't think we i don't i think i cut him before you even finished actually <laughs> dulcet autumn dusk colon infrared lockdown crisis what well you know define an infrared lockdown crisis I can imagine a lockdown crisis, but I can't imagine an infrared one. Well, perhaps it'll become clear as I explain the uh, the story. Well, could I just, just interject that it needs to? It, it needs to. OK, it must become clear. Think on your feet on this one. OK, OK. I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident everything will become clear. <clears throat> Famous 18th century thief, Mulvaney Pump, steals... Jane Austen's unfinished manuscript. She chases him from Bath all the way to Aberdeen and then onto a dirigible destined for Vienna. Cornered, he manages to convince her to join him on a life of incognito knavery and thievism. Austen revels in the harem scarum shenanigans and moonlit back alley contretemps, and eventually, Pump must attempt to finish her novel as Austen languishes in a fruit compote overload starring arthur bostrom as pump famke jansen as jane austen and david hockney as the cat hypnotist well uh huh your idea for the actual what happens in the film is slightly more interesting than the title right and i also in that i didn't catch any reference historically or scientifically to infrared Perhaps infrared is um, 
beamed into the movie theatre throughout. I query famous thief Mulvaney Pump. Why haven't I heard of this guy? Because you've invented him, haven't you? Yes, I would say within within the world he's famous. So he'll, he'll be walking down the street and there'll be fervent whispering, it's, cool, blimey, it's that Mulvaney pump it is. And so they, they know That's of him. It's not quite a, a Bath accent, uh, is it? But uh, you know, He's recently, that... recently moved from the East End of London, it sounds like. It, it, it certainly does sound like that. I mean, uh, yeah, it that's does. what I was getting from that. It would be interesting to me if the accents changed during the journey. So, I mean, you end up in Aberdeen. Mm. It would be very Ooh. good, you know, if the, they were doing a bit, of, a, wee, a wee bit of that when they got there. And then, the, now this dirigible going to Venice. Uh, Vienna. Oh, sorry. Ah. Changes yeah, everything. Now, see, now we've unlocked the whole plot, right, with Vienna. Well, locked, uh, landlocked, I think, is what yes. you've done. Yeah. Um, how does it... Right, so... Hmm. I, I, would, I would be more interested in a movie that solely concentrated on that journey. Interesting. Wow. Okay, so Dulcet Autumn Dirigible, Crisis in Vienna. That's easier to take on board. I, I, I wouldn't say crisis, though, because we don't know yet whether that... Yes, true. That's true. C- can I ask a question? Uh, this is the unfinished, the unfinished Jane Austen manuscript. Yes. Do we have any more details on on that, or the plot, or anything about it? I'm glad you asked. We actually do. So uh, the manuscript is all about a country estate where Meredith Blonkley is engaged to Mister Quithimble. He Could falls... you run that by me again. Quithimble. Quithimble. Oh, Quithimble. Quithimble. Of course. <clears throat> now. Uh, I imagine that's a common British name. Especially in Bath. Especially in Bath. Sometimes I just start typing and see what comes out, and then I say, huh. Can I just interject here, and I think that both of you are actually assuming a great deal here. Um, A, a, that Quithimble is uh, an everyday name in... in, I mean, I'm 64. I've never heard that before. Um, And I have travelled far and wide. I've never heard that. I'll be your host this evening, Mr. and Mrs. You know, Quithimble. I've not. That's just not happened. And um, also, I think you're assuming a lot more about you know Jane Austen that we, you know, the biographers didn't go that far. So, so in other words, for a Jane Austen fan, they may say, "Well, I, I, I tell you what, I haven't heard of this, Mr. Blonkley and Miss Miss Blonkley and Mr. Quithimble. I think they're, they're taking liberties here." Liberties, yes, I think so. I, I, I think you'll enrage Austin lovers with this. Well, we'd probably need to get it cleared by the estate as well. We would. I do have I a think bag. Probably isn't isn't oh. the word. You will definitely have to. <laughs> well, I know where the enraged. I know where the Jane Austen Centre in Bath oh, is. So we could ask at the reception. That's perhaps. a star. Yeah, I've been there. In fact, I have a tote bag that says "I heart Mr. Darcy." That's our way in. So that's our way in. Let me just read you the end of the story because this really—I mean, hands up—we can Google the names and see if they're real names, um, just to find that out. The rest of the story may fit the pieces together to make it a more of a normal Austin story. So Mr. Quithimble falls into a well, and uh, Meredith must pass him poetry books and baked apples to pass the time. However, the army then arrive and requisition all of the poetry, and things get a bit hairy. And that's where it stops. 
and uh, and our our hero in the film, Mr. Mulvaney Pump, must try to finish the book um, on Jane's behalf whilst she is in her compote fervor. Compote fervor. That is the title of the movie. And that probably should be, actually, really. That's a compelling title. Plus, you could sell in the foyer afterwards. Compote. Yeah. In the year 3000, France is once again occupied, but this time by giant goats. A descendant of Officer Crabtree from a lower low is once again helping the resistance. He has exactly the same accent, but with an additional twist, which is he has to speak like a goat when the goat bosses come into the cafe. Ah, okay. I thought there was going to be more. No, no, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, giant goats. Yeah. Uh, uh, why giant goats and how have they become giant is this some sort of monsanto you know genetic engineering engineering and blah 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 blah. then then i'm with you yeah so it's yeah exactly that now the, the practical element of it is we've actually talked about this before they're so giant that really all you ever can see is sort of part of a leg because the legs are so tall. Mm. So you really don't need much. You just need a little bit of a leg that you shove into the front of the screen and you can tell you're always looking straight up at them. But whenever they come into the cafe, you have to pretend to speak like a goat. Well, it sounds like the actual cafe, if it still existed in the year 3000, would have to be enormous. Well, no roof. No roof. Oh, right, okay. They just sort of put Yeah, but I mean, doors and all that, you know, it's quite a small thing, you know. And That's true, actually. You know, wine glasses and things like that could be hell. Well, in, in, yeah. in, in another thousand years, I mean, there would be adaptations to the uh, local Nouvion Café, I'm assuming. I mean, it may have been demolished to make way for an entire shopping centre and food court. And I then demolished again for something else. For, for the goat... For the spaceport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The spaceport. The, the, the spaceport. Mm. Arthur Bostrom is a ceramics teacher who must encourage Emma Stone when she says she doesn't think she is peng enough. Peng. That's a no-no for me. It's a no. Much as I like Emma Stone. It's a no. She'll be devastated to hear when we email her, when we contact her on LinkedIn. That's something that you just have to get used to in I this know. world, you know. When aliens arrive and deploy attack tubes to capital cities, NATO is at a loss as to how to deal with the onslaught of hostile creatures. The evil beings slide down the tubes from their spaceships at incredible speeds, and the normal army just can't keep up. Dave Hairball has run a bat-the-rat stall at every fair in his local village since 1960. He is the only man who can help and he has kept a record of all of his top-scoring customers at his stall, but all he has is their first names. Can he track them all down and train them into a cohesive batting force in time, or is humanity doomed? Featuring a wealth of celebrity cameos, including John Major, Tina Turner, Cookie Monster, and Lewis Hamilton. My first, you know, my first reaction is the, the, the title. Dave Hairball. Well, hairball, just just that. Just word. hairball. Yeah, because this person is the centre of the the search for all these people. Now, Dave Hairball, I forgot to say, played by Arthur Bostrom, of course, naturally. But it, this does require quite a lot of bat the rat activity 
And I know that it's sometimes also called splat the rat, just as a side note. Side note, I prefer the tr- more traditional bat the rat. Me too. Um, but I was wondering if you have much experience with the bat the rat. I mean, if you even know what I'm referring to when I say bat the rat. I, well, I don't entirely, but I can imagine it. Can I show you a picture of a traditional bat the rat uh, activity? The rat is placed at the top of the drain pipe tube and uh, a person stands at the bottom of it with a little bat and tries to time it perfectly so that they hit the rat as it exits the tube. Uh, and let's just be very clear. It's not a real rat. It is not a rat. It is a sock filled with some sort of yeah. grain or other uh, it's a big. It's material. a big heavy sock, but it's, it's called bat sock. the rat. It's a traditional fate activity. Do you think you'd be good at that? Um... Yes, hand-eye coordination is not bad. Actually, oh, good. But um, no, I, I, I could keep it. If that's, well, although it doesn't seem to be a bat that that person on that picture saw, it looks more like a truncheon. Well, it's funny you should say that because I think another reason why this role would suit you so well is your most famous role. You were usually holding a truncheon, or you had one nearby. You at least had one nearby. So it was sort of ever there. Yes, that's yeah, true. You have experience with truncheon. Yes, and also um, I was not bad at softball. Dave Mm. is a lonely character, and this Ah. is where I think there's there's a lot to develop. I would say that's quite likely. I would think uh, it would be likely. I think there are are long scenes seeing Dave go back from the fair, because fairs aren't, they're not every day, they're not even every week. Sometimes they're only in the summer, so he has quite limited interaction with, with other people. Most of his time is spent in his shed, testing out new models of bat the rat equipment so there's long sequences of him bat 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 spending all his time honing his skills and then comes the call from the government can you assemble a team of bat the rat experts in time for tomorrow's assault which we love i mean there are many films where the 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 uh, general will call his people in and say i need the best spy i need the best marksman and he's saying Get me the foremost exponent of the bat the rat discipline. Well, I think I think it, it almost goes a step further because I would say that's going to be the American army. They don't. They've never even heard of bat the rat. They say, ah, yeah. if only there was some sort of game. Yes. And then you know, I don't know. There's, there happens to be an English chap in the room who says, "Well, sir, have you ever have you ever heard of bat the rat?" And then they track down Dave Hairball. Sir, I I might be able to help. And then you cut to the village fate. I'm finding it, um, I I just find it unlikely that um, Dave is going to be on any kind of database that they could, you know, get into. I've got it. It's a Red Arrows flyby at the fate. And one of the pilots is looking down as he goes over. And it says, hang on, guys, hang on. And actually, the formation breaks and he loops back to take another pass and see this bat the rat and this is all during that, the alien invasion yes <laughs> that would have to be low flying though i mean the ultimate in low flying to be able to take that in well, and I think- whether the resolution of the cameras i mean I, I think you've got to i mean that'd be exciting undeniably exciting but what, is it really feasible what if dave hairball was featured on bbc news because he had completed the 100 bat challenge in a certain number of days. He set a new world record, and that happened to be on a big bank of all the TV screens with all the live feeds coming into NORAD. It comes into NORAD, they have all of the feeds from all over the world, including a little one which has got BBC World News on it, and they, it says, Dave Herbal, bat the rat expert, and says, what's that? Zoom in, ex- ex- expand that. 
So there's going to be a huge cast. Oh, an enormous cast. Have you? I mean, it, it could work. I could see how it would work if you've got a long list of you know celebrities to mm. do that. The village where everybody's you know extraordinarily well-known people. I what? love that. They're, they're going door to door. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't help. Sorry, I can't open the door. Oh, it's Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, he's great. Like, <laughs> it's he's like, yeah. yeah, you know, maybe therefore a chance for a you know a sneaky vegan recipe. Well, well why not go all the way and actually turn it into an infomercial? So halfway through the film, opens up the door. Um, oh, I, you've caught me baking uh, uh, a, a, a mushroom bake. Would you like to come in? In we go, and then actually we cut to a kind of studio uh, kitchen where Lewis Hamilton then literally spends about 15 minutes explaining how he's put together the uh, the dish. You see, that's fantastic because, I mean, if do we need the aliens? Because, well, I mean, if, you know, you go a couple of doors down, you open the door, there's, there's Jane Fonda. So she does a keep fit, you know, and then, you know, who it's anybody's guess. So it's sort of like watching some adverts, this film. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. Well, I was actually reading an article just this morning about the number of, the increased number of adverts before even the trailers play, before you see the film at a cinema these days. So mm. many adverts. So I think we're sort of, we're responding to that by incorporating the adverts in the film itself. You don't need to have anything first. You just start watching the film and they're, they're slid in there without you even knowing. I'm sure that's what audiences want. Well, actually, what you could do, and this would save a great deal of money, is just to run the adverts and then run the credits. Gosh, OK. So, so you don't actually have to film anything at all. Well, maybe we don't even need credits. Well, you just close the curtains again, and, th and then that's it. Uh, I haven't got a title for this one yet. OK, Arthur Bostrom finds a lightning gem in his cereal. His friend, Taylor Swift, tells him the only way to activate it... and Could I just say, um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Taylor Swift isn't a friend of mine. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd quite like her to be. I know this is in the movies and people would you know, imagine that I know all sorts of incredibly famous people, but mostly that's not true. Right, that is a problem. Um... And apropos of nothing, what is a lightning jewel? A lightning gem. Gem, sorry. A gem. Do apologise. Yes. A lightning gem is a gem which is naturally imbued with a lightning power and thereby gives the bearer the ability to command the elements and create lightning strikes. Okay. But only right. if you are at one with the gem and you know how to use I will, it. I will ask you to continue in a minute, but I think, you know, when you pitch this further, you, you do need to define those things as you're going along because, you know, you lost me there. But that's fine. Interesting. Okay. I thought the lightning gems were kind of part of the common parlance, but apparently not. No. Okay. Thank you. Excellent notes. Thank you. Um, so Taylor Swift. Now, I, uh, I suggest that on, to solve that little issue, we put a project line into the, the bigger production plan, which is um, creates friendship between Arthur and Taylor over the course of, let's say, five years. Or, or use a pop star that I actually do know. Like, um, I do know Sonia. Oh, well. Perfect. I did Panto with her. So, I mean, you know. Perfect. Much better for this as well. I actually. live in Liverpool. She lives in Liverpool. Sonia. It's easy to do. So, Perfect. Yeah. Okay, well, let's see if let's see if the role sounds right for her. Yeah. Um, Sonia tells him that the only way to activate the gem and unleash its true power is to journey deep into the Cairngorms, where amongst silver winter-sharp brooks and frost-dusted plateau, he will find the unknowable Ancient One, lord over the mountain beasts, 
And he who has seen the quartz castle, he who sleeps patiently within a circle of fragrant bergamo trees and dreams of the songs from beyond the outermost planets, while greedily in the clouds hover the overseers of this realm known as the ghost kings or otherwise the keepers of the dancing madness, and the sands within the cosmic orb slowly drift and with them the power potential of the tri-moon seance. The horrid chants of their fervent disciples pierce the twilight and beckon souls onwards to abandoned and ghastly Eothkrek. But Arthur's schedule is too busy and he can't go. Um, I already know that um, Sonia would be inappropriate for this. Is there too much going on? I just wanted to put that out I there. Think there? I think you just said a cotton-picking thing, mm. as they say in America. Uh, there's far too much. Well, for example, like the, you know, the Lord of the Rings couldn't be compressed well into one film they had to do all three is this is this a multi-chapter experience i would think you'd need about 71 films to get that well actually. well everyone loves a franchise yeah this is a new franchise yeah absolutely big we can show how we'll make money deep into the 2030s yes very deep if it's 71 films <laughs> well i mean you could be releasing one every you month certainly see me out if i was uh yeah involved in this do you have any knowledge of the occult and tri-moon seances and uh, uh, the quartz castle and this kind of thing? I, I, the first word, I mean, I have some occult interests, but the rest of it I've never heard of. Arthur Bostrom is a tree surgeon who has to be a real surgeon because all other surgeons are at a Swiss convention which is snowed in. Um, I think I, I just think the whole premise of that is unlikely. Arthur Bostrom fights off hordes of recycled vampires. Recycled? I mean, I question how you recycle a vampire. I have no idea. I've got to say, you were just pairing words together that that really have no business to be paired. Oh. The UN is held to ransom by an anonymous master criminal who uses riddles and complex clues to outwit the globe's police and detectives. Computer expert Davina McCall comes up with a way to run a holographic simulation and to recreate the finest detective minds from the world of fiction to work on the clues from a new perspective. The people she recreates in holographic form are Sherlock Holmes, obviously, T.J. Hooker, Luther, Sarah Lund from The Killing and Officer Crabtree. However, it turns out that by bringing these characters to life, she has inadvertently created a time loop that means that one of them is actually the criminal mastermind they're trying to catch. Can the greatest detective minds in fiction discover who the baddie really is before they develop a way to leave the hollow projection room and conquer the world? I absolutely love this. I think this is marvellous. And uh, I mean, what what sort of... Well, I think possibly with the slight exception of T.J. Hooker, a wonderful company of people to do. I mean, Sarah Lund, you know, it's just to be involved in that. Fantastic. I would be okay as long as it was T.J. Hooker that probably did it. I think it would be unlikely if my character did it because he was incompetent. It would be, it would be unlikely, but it would be a, a, quite a twist it if would he turned be a out twist to be a criminal because, mastermind. Yes, it would. And, you know, the fact that he'd pulled the wool over our eyes all these years. I mean, you know could go in lots of different directions, but that's a, it's a really great idea. I, I love the idea of Officer Crabtree interacting with Sherlock Holmes. I would pay good money to see what on earth, how on earth they would interact with each other. Mooting sheer lick hooms. 
You know, so that that's your title. William Shitner, though. 21Q Metal Street. A metalwork artist is running low on confidence after a poor county show. Seeking to regain his ruthless edge, he travels home to Worcestershire, where his family take it in turns to criticise him, as is their wont. After a lengthy criticism montage, he falls asleep on the roof and dreams of a new way to solve the Rubik's Cube using oil. Featuring an all-star cast, Arthur Bostrom, Michaela Strachan, Gordon Strachan, Zoe Saldana, Greg Rosetsky, and Matthew. Matthew who? Uh, Matthew is a friend of ours from university who we just think has uh, an interesting presence and might play well opposite Gordon Strachan. Does he have a football background? He Or even a Scottish background? He has neither. Fair enough. But I, I think if he was to be involved, Matthew, we would also need a surname at some point. We'll look into that. Uh, there are, however, people who do go by a mononym, such as Prince. Madonna. And... Uh, that's a, I think that's it. And that's it. Those are Louise. the two. Louise. Louise, absolutely. Yes, actually. You you're getting a bit closer to... Well, not obviously not closer to Matthew, but, you know, to a sort of regular everyday name. Do you, do you feel that Greg Rosetsky would work well alongside you? I think that I like the juxtaposition of the Strachans. And actually, I have interviewed back in the day Gordon Strachan. He's a nice chap. Mm. Um, I have one last note. Zoe Saldana. I've written a note here. The aunt who only comes out at night because she is scared of the government. Gosh. Interesting stuff. Just think about the whole Greg Rizetsky thing and, you know, maybe... I mean, Tim Henman. He's much, much better, really, for that, I think. Tim. Just watch Tim. Get Tim on, and I think you'll have no problem. Who's playing who? A player piano becomes sentient after a drunk cowboy spills a magic potion on it in a saloon. At first, people just think it's broken, but after it calms a startled horse, the sheriff's daughter starts to see the truth. She spends her nights with the piano learning its language and attempting to communicate. After her father is killed by the Wirtle gang, Sally Ann is herself in danger, but the piano flings itself in front of her, saving her life but forever damaging its right pedal and middle C. Sally Ann wheels the ailing piano out of the saloon in the middle of the night and they set off on a trek to the Mexican border where she can be free and the piano can learn human languages. post credit scene shows that the piano eventually recovers fully and becomes the president of the railroad. Ooh, that's quite a, that's quite a, a twist at the end. It is. Um, Post-credits yeah, as well. Uh, oh, marvellous. Well, so, so, of course, a lot of people, therefore, will have probably already left. Yes. Because people go up there, still not hip to that. That's right. And there'll be only a few people in the know. And it will become a sort of a rumour. Did you, did you stay for the post credit No, I didn't. Oh, I have to go back. So no. we get extra bookings. Um, just, uh, well, it, it's an, it, I love the whole idea of the playing piano the player piano that, that that actually has a life of its own. I like mm. that. Yeah, I like the sort of family stuff with Sally. Sally Ann? Sally Ann, yes, Sally the Ann, sheriff's yeah. daughter. Um, I've got a question about one of the names, Wirtle. The Wirtle Gang. Yeah, you, know, you see, I just, as soon as you said that, I'm, I was thinking Wurzel Gummidge. Mm. Ah. You know, I just, I think it's just too close. Okay. Or, or yeah, I just, um, just think around that. I mean, yeah, the the gang is fine. Okay. But just, just re... 
I could change a letter, maybe mm. the Bertle gang. Bertle, Pertle, Pertle, Myrtle, uh, Myrtle's got a Myrtle. Zertle. Zertle, Dirtle, it's got Fertle. The Fertile Gang. I don't know about well, that. Well, you see, because that sounds... In America. Know, in America, fer- it's fertile. Yeah, fertile. yeah. Okay. Um, well... Uh, the Jertle Gang. Just, just think that through before okay. you do. Can I ask a question? I may yes. have missed something. Sure. Uh, what is Arthur's role? Traditionally, in a film in which a player piano became sentient and started to communicate, you'd need to have some way of understanding what its musical notes meant. Now, traditionally, that might be done by subtitles. But I don't think we should have subtitles. I think we have basically uh, dubbing of the piano. So we record all of these scenes with the piano playing piano music, but then it's redubbed with Arthur's voice. I'd like to make an alternative suggestion. Please do. Part of the creative process, you know, we're we're, Mm -hmm. we're, we're doing this live. We're doing this in the moment. Uh, Arthur, are you capable and comfortable of imitating a piano to the extent that you actually make the piano sounds yourself and we do use subtitles but all of the piano noises are created by you i really think that would be a stretch um i don't think there's anyone could do that to be honest well well adrian perhaps just just to test road test this a little bit would you like to do a little bit of the piano noise just to see if we can uh, get the feeling of it in the room That's it. Fine. I think we're feeling good. Arthur Bostrom is a map maker who is accidentally commissioned to make a map at one-to-one scale of the entire world. He accepts the job. Enormously... Very detailed map as well. Yeah. Someone's ordered it online. They've gone to the website and says, what scale would you like? Well, I don't know, one-to-one. They're not very, they don't really know what that means. And they say, what would you like? Oh, well, well, the whole world. That's the problem, isn't it? But if you don't get your legals right, you've got to deliver. I mean, it says in the terms and conditions, you know, once you've you've ordered it, no going back. I think more of the problem really is storage of this world-size map. Because you can only fold a piece of paper, what is it, seven times or something, Mm, no matter how big or small it is. Yes. So this would need some sort of storage facility that covers most of the or, planet. Or, no, I, I think anyways, I'd have to be making the map in space. Fashion obsessive Arthur Bostrom burns down his own birthday cake shop, but he does it with panache. Burns down his own birthday cake shop. So, but, he, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, the question is why? You know, that's the, whatever that is, it's not the facts of what's going on. Okay, he's got a bur- birthday cake shop, which I find a bit unusual but cake shop cake shop i can mm. believe at birthday cake shop it's, it's very just, specific is too specific arthur bostrom is a pole vaulter who goes back in time for an instant whenever he pole vaults he stays in the same place but it's years ago and he solves crimes he solves... Ah, well, you see, I, th- I just think... I love the idea of the going back in time as a pole vaulter. I love the idea of being a pole vaulter. Mm. I was on my athletics team at uh, school oh. way back in the day, so I have athletic, but it was more long jumping. But maybe mm. long jumping, I mean, because that's something I can actually do. Okay. And I can imagine more 
that you know he springs off, but some sometime between he's he, he's leaving the you know the yes. board and actually arriving while in, he's in, in the air. It, it was it, there's this you know yeah. something something gets jug, jiggled and juggled in time there, and and he, and he has an instant back. to look around and see what's happening, and maybe he, he on one of those jumps he sees a murder in you know 1832 in that same spot. Are you suggesting that he is only back in time in midair? Yes. Ah, see, I thought I was rather tickled by the idea that when he pole vaulted, he would go back in time, and then let's say he goes back to the eighteen fifties. He solves the crime there. In order to get back home, he has to desperately look around for some sort of pole of any kind in order to pole vault high enough to get back. So there's always this element of risk of, well, I can't possibly go to that part of town. There are no poles there. So how am I going to get home? Well, where would I, I? This is very interesting, and I'm happy to take it in this direction. Say he's in Stratford in London. He's at the Olympic Park, and he's pole vaulting there. Mm. Now, if he goes back a few hundred years there, you're very unlikely to find a pole. What, what else could he use as a pole? A pikeman's pike. Pike long enough? I think so. I mean, well, I mean, you're not going to get a lot of clearance, but a maypole. A maypole. We're coming towards the end of our time with you, Arthur. So out of all the ideas we pitched today, is there anything that you think is maybe your favourite one or one that really sticks in your mind? I think the one that stands out from that list, the ninja prime minister sort of whole thing like that, because, you know, I I think that's the one that I could actually see. Can I ask you one last follow-up question, which is what do you think happened to Officer Crabtree? His story, how do you think it ended? It, it's going on. I mean, he's still there. You know, he's just written this book, for instance. Of course. You know, he's it was sort quite of old a, now. I imagine very old. Yeah. But um, it seems to be working for him, and and uh, I think he's never given up the work. You know, I think after a while, I think that happened during the series. You know, I mean, he had forgotten he was a secret agent, and he was just, you know, a policeman. So yeah. he just after the war finished, he just decided to stay on. It's comfortable. Mm. You know, he liked the croissants, he liked the red wine. And, you know, I think what people don't know is that he actually had a bit of a fling, well, a continuing fling with Michelle of the Resistance, you know. So ah. that happened afterwards. They were always a bit... Um, at least they, you know, they were, she could speak English, he could sort of speak French. So, I mean, you know, they had a lot going for them in terms of that. Thank you so much, Arthur. Thank you. We, you're very welcome. What a nice guy Arthur was. Top chap. Is, in fact. Continues to be. That was one of the best big meetings we've ever had, and I think we got some great feedback as well. Do you think he minded that we were both in a lower low cosplay, though? No. But do you think he minded that both of us were dressed as Madame Fanny? Maybe. Find Big Meeting on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and at bigmeeting.horse. Yeah, all the other URLs were taken. William Shitner, though.